social means connection and it means community. I even went down a little rabbit hole and looked up the word social and where it comes from and the different meanings. And at the root of that word is the word friend. And so when we do business with people, that's the operative phrase. We do business with people. people. And if we can do business with friends, that's even better. Welcome to the Making Sales Social podcast, featuring the top voices in sales, marketing, and business. Join host Bryn Tillman as she brings you the best tips and strategies our guests are teaching their clients so you can leverage them for your own virtual and social selling. Here is your host, Bryn Tillman. Welcome to Making Sales Social. I'm Bob Woods, Chief Marketing Officer at Social Sales Link, where we train and coach both individuals and sales teams on converting connections to sales conversations through the power of LinkedIn and social selling. And we do all that without being salesy. You know, nobody really likes that. My guest today is Kay Miller. She was the first woman ever hired for outsiles, outside sales by Anchor Hawking's Amarok. Am I pronouncing it? Is it Amarok? You did, great. Good. Amarok division, which makes decorative and functional hardware solutions for kitchen, baths, and home decor. And if anyone knows me out there, you know that I like my my, my poles on my cabinets. So, so, so <laughs> I definitely know what that's all about. She was later hired by Walker Exhaust, the largest automotive muffler manufacturer in the world. At Walker Exhaust and this is fantastic. She became salesperson of the year and earned the glamorous nickname Muffler Mama, which again, I love. And if you can get to be known with a nickname like that in your field, that's just a big chef's kiss to you. That's just fantastic. Kay is the author of Uncopyable Sales Secrets, How to Create an Unfair Advantage and Outsell Your Competition. That right there. This book is packed with strategies you can use to make more sales. I've read it, and let's just say there are lots of notes in the margins of my copy. I also like the fact that it addresses win-win sales, which is one of our philosophies here at Social Sales Link. So we have a lot to talk about. Um, Kay's book just came out a few months ago, so it's packed with up-to-date strategies. This isn't one of those things where someone's showing something from 2016. This is new. This is current. I'm also happy to point out that it has a 4.9 rating on Amazon. So people are really liking it too, which is fantastic. And you're going to want to hang out with us until the end of the episode as Kay has a special gift for you, our always valued listeners. With that, how are you doing today, Kay? I'm great. Thank you so much for that intro. I love it. <laughs> I love the 4.9 stars, you know, 4 not that we hey. pay attention to that or anything. Yeah, no, nothing <laughs> like that. So what happened to that one tip? But anyhow, no, 4.9 is, is, is fantastic, is fantastic. Absolutely. Congrats. So our, our first uh, traditional question that we always ask on the show is what does making sales social mean to you? So being social means connection and it means community. I even went down a little rabbit hole tonight and or last night and looked up the word social and where it comes from and the different meanings. And at the root of that word is the word friend. And so, you know, when we do business with people, that's the operative phrase. We do business with people. people. And if we can do business with friends, that's even better. And we talked a little bit about how 
you know, our philosophies are, are very similar with social selling uh, because we don't want it to be adversarial. I've always, you know, loved to have the kind of sales relationship where I help the other person and uh, connect with them on a human level. So yes, those, that's, that is what life is all about, right? It yep. really is making a difference to people and human connection. 100%. Yeah. I mean, if, if you can't bring forth what you do and how you are just every day, if you can't bring that forth to business for whatever reason that might be, why are you doing it? Basically, you know, right. I mean, life should be good. Life should be positive. And sometimes the, the sales process gets very adversarial and it's like, why? I mean, it really, it really shouldn't be like that. Right. Especially when, when we think of ourselves and how we like to buy, you know, I mean, recently I just bought a new car. I didn't tell anyone, oh, the car dealer sold me a new car. You know, we want to be in control. We want someone to guide us and help us make that decision. But that all happens through a social process. Now, I know there are some things that we work with clients that have very technical, long, drawn out uh, sales cycles. It's still human to human. And all of those things that you have to do, like build trust and be someone that they want to talk to, mm -hmm. you know, it's it, that is where social comes in. Yeah. And especially in those long drawn out ones, there's also probably quite a few people involved with that ultimate decision too. Exactly. So, it, you know, and, and sales, sales isn't easy. I mean, it's rewarding. It's fun. It's so profitable. And, you know, I do think of it, you know, as, as a game, because, you know, how, you know, the, the sales that you get are your positive reinforcement. But um, it's so worth it. And the challenge when you can rise to that challenge and have a good relationship, even, you know, a client of ours came into town a couple of weeks ago and took me out to dinner. The client took me. So wow. it was great. So, yes, yeah. being social, being true to who you are. Yeah, that's great. That's great. So that actually gets into my next question, uh, 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 just in terms of this concept of win-win of sales. So. When everyone comes out with a smile on their face, that is the very definition of win-win. And you just went through that with the client who, who took you out to dinner. Why don't you tell us a little more about that and, and, and your kind of view of, of what that um, looks like when it comes to sales? Well, the win-win is really, as we talk about, understanding the customer, understanding their pain, their problem, or their aspiration, and truly wanting to help that customer achieve that. Uh, if you're in any kind of relationship sales, which is what we deal with, and I think you listening have a you know relationship sales. You know we're not the door-to-door -door salesperson who I bought a crate of grapefruit from one time when I was pregnant and had horrible acid reflux. <laughs> no. But you know what? I bought it. My husband is like, "What the heck were you thinking?" I'm like, "I wasn't," <laughs> and he's gone. So hey, right good for him. But everybody listening, when you're you know, listening to this, we want relationships. And the only way to do that is to really understand them and be their trusted advisor, suggest to them what would be the best um, option. But that is after a long, you know, well, I shouldn't say that because when I bought a car, they were very good about boiling it down to what I wanted. Um, wow, and this right. was the second car I bought from this dealer because they were so great. Yeah. Even, even with transactional sales and, and that thought just kind of bubbled up in, in my mind because of dark, 
generally speaking, you think of car, car dealerships and it's transactional. The ones that don't think like that, just like in Kay's case, those are the ones you go back to. They are. And I remember when I called one time, it said on their, you know, whatever their answering system, where service sells the second car. So, so it's a whole bunch of things that you do right. But yeah. yes, the, the relationship doesn't end just right when you make the sale. You really want them to win. Um, in many cases, if you can find a way to help your customers, customer win, say, you know, mm -hmm. I work with a manufacturer. Well, they've got distributors. And this happened recently. Well, the distributor has a whole bunch of things to sell. And so your product might, you know, fall to the back burner. So if you can help your distributor or whatever the customer's customer be more uh, educated, uh, you know, give them some incentive to promote your product, you're helping your customer and you're helping them look really good. So look for creative ways to have, to, to create wins for your customer. Obviously, when we sell to the right customer, it is a win, but we want to focus on giving them the right solution. I love it when a, when a customer says, yeah, that's what I want. Instead mm -hmm. of trial closes and all that stuff, you yeah. know, as you're yep. going through, you're saying, does this sound like we're, what we're talking about? And does this sound like we're talking, what we're talking about and what else, by the time you get to the end of the conversation and you totally get it right. Mm -hmm. it, it's, it's just a partnership that you're walking through ideally. Right. right. And it's almost like a, a, a win, win, and then continuing to win at that point. Right. And uh, you know, that's all, that's all in the book too, about follow-up isn't just before you make the sale. Yep. Follow-up is also how you can keep in touch with your customers and provide value, you know, not, Hey, you know, just, you know, think, put some thought into what would mean something to them and, and have some type of way to, to stay in touch. Exactly. So this all gets into like, personal branding. And we talk about that a lot um, when it comes to the branding of the salesperson themselves. And that's obviously in, you know, with, with the company and, and everything else. But why is that important? And how do salespeople do that, especially if they're at a company that, you know, let's just say isn't really supportive of, of the individual salespeople going out and building their own brand under the company's brand. Right. And, you know, and one of the reasons I think that companies might be reluctant to do that is because salespeople can take their customers with them ding, when ding. they go. And I know yep. multiple, you probably do too, where the salesperson is so good that when they leave that the customer says, well, this other product is good enough. What I want is, you know, the salesperson. So yeah, you might not be able to do as many tangible things to build your brand. But to me, the, the brand is your promise. It's what you represent to the customer. We just got uh, blinds all through our house from, I'll just say budget blinds. They were awesome. Sure. When the franchise owner came in, he told me straight up, I want to find out what you want, what your budget is, and then I want to get you the best deal you know, within your budget for the best product. He just flat out told me. So yeah. I don't see how that could conflict really with any company because he's telling me what his brand is, what his promise is. Yeah, you, you, I'm glad that you agree because also, you know, being trustworthy uh, and honest, those are huge in sales and that really should be part of any successful salesperson's brand. 
following up when you say you will, uh, when you make a promise, you need to follow up on that. And so you've got, you know, your promise to the customer, you've got trust, and then you've also got an opportunity to create your own stories. Now, as you know, throughout my book, the whole mm-hmm. thing is stories. Stories. And I start out the book <laughs> saying my first sales call was a disaster. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, yeah. I bet yeah, you have a story too. Do oh, you? Oh, yeah. All kinds of stories. So if if you read a book on copyable sales secrets, just just, just look for the steel toed boot story. Right. The steel toed boot. <laughs> Which you wouldn't expect, story. but it's great. Yeah. And, and as we talk about being social, I know on LinkedIn, uh, I've heard some of your conversations with Bryn, et cetera, about how, you know, where's the line between sharing too much on social, on, on too much social on LinkedIn? Haven't you had that conversation? Yeah, too, um, that went to more of two more personal social, uh, you know, kind of more like Facebook types of things as opposed to being you know showing your 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 personality and doing everything that 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 we just discussed but keeping it more keeping it more on a business level rather than talking about what you did over the weekend unless what you did over the weekend has to do with business you know then it's okay but you know there is that line it kind of moves and every once in a while you just kind of go hey you know something I don't care this is truly important to me I'm going to share it but generally speaking it was about the Facebookification which is a long word Mm. but it's actually pretty accurate about uh when it comes to LinkedIn interesting interesting well, like you said, you can't, you said, unless the story has something to do with business. And so, right. you know, back to the social part, we all remember stories. So yeah. stories that have to do with business stories that of something that you did, or that happened with one of your customers, those are huge. And as far as the steel toe boot story, that became one of my stories. When I- Looking to up your LinkedIn game? The Social Sales Link team has you covered with our LinkedIn Sales Accelerator, a guided social selling program that includes training, coaching, and so much more. Visit socialsaleslink.com slash in for more details. Again, that's socialsaleslink.com slash in. I was back selling mufflers. I was one of the only women And I did something that no one else had, none of the other reps and said, will you teach me to install a muffler? And they were delighted. They thought this is cool. You know, well, then they said, the first thing you need to do is buy steel toe boots, which at the time were not my uh, fashion choice, but, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and I tell a story in the, in the book that at that time, the movie Flashdance had come out and. Mm -hmm. In the opening scene, if you're old enough to remember, you they pan in on someone welding, and it turns out that it's Jennifer Beals looking yep. gorgeous, and she's on some type of a, a assembly line. Assembly line, yeah. Yes, right. And so she's her goal is to be a dancer, but this is what she's doing to pay the bills. Well, when they uh, pull back or when they uh, pan in, I'm sorry, she removes her helmet. And she looks gorgeous. And I couldn't help myself when I was under that car. I thought of Jennifer Beals. So I'm under welding this muffler system together, feeling pretty smug and pretty proud of myself. And then when I took my helmet off, I looked in the mirror 
I looked very different <laughs> than Jennifer <laughs> Beals. <laughs> but the beauty of that story is that it got me so much respect. And I was talking with a group of, of clients that I have on a mastermind. And it's amazing how many stories you as a salesperson might have of something that you've done to go over and you know above and beyond, I should say, uh, what is expected. Anytime you do that or you go learn something that nobody else really knows, share that information. That can be part of your brand that the company, you know, no company would have a problem with. So mm -hmm. it's really declaring what you're doing for your customer and how important they are. Mm -hmm. And and who knows, you may become the muffler mama of, of, of your own industry, which which again is absolutely fantastic. Yes. Muffler so Mama definitely yeah. set me apart. Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. And that's fantastic. So let's we're not changing gears a little bit, but let's just talk a little bit more about one of the topics you have directly in, in your book. Um, the importance of focusing on your moose. And I do mean M-O-O-S-E, moose. Can you talk us through a little bit about what, what that means and, uh, and, and why sales pros should be doing that? Sure. Um, and if you're watching, not listening, you can see that there is a picture of a moose prominently oh, yeah. displayed behind me. Yeah. Um, and the moose represents your ideal target market. So whether you call it your persona or the avatar, you know, those are words that have been used a lot, you know, different words have been used, but we have want to be unique and uncopyable. So we have decided that we would call that target market, your moose. And the analogy is that if you were out hunting and you wasted time hunting uh, bear or rabbits or any other kind of animal, if you were really intent on getting moose, that would be a big waste of time. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, it's the niche. It's who is the exact right fit for you. And, you know, focusing on what that particular customer needs. So instead of blasting out, you know, and, and LinkedIn, I suppose, you know, trying to connect with everybody, really studying uh, who your moose is. And, and one great way to do that is to say, who are my best customers now? You know, what do I love about them? How are they benefiting? And then you can get a profile and say, okay, where, you know, how can I find more of those moose? So if you, yep. it's just a great visual. And anytime you ask a question, like, should I send this out or should I post this or, you know, talk about who is my moose? And then sometimes, um, I don't know if this is a great analogy, but there are different kinds of moose. So, you know, what if you're interested in like a different, a specific subset of, of moose? So in other words, really zero in, sometimes you have to zero in beyond like just moose in general too. I mean, you really need to know exactly who you're going after. Right. Because, you know, and, and I think when I was number one salesperson, it was so strategic so that you have to ask, you know, I mean, it's it's the 80-20 rule. Okay, 80% of your sales will come from 20% of your accounts right. usually. And then you can keep drilling down 80% of those sales. So you've got your, who is your big hairy moose? And who is your hungry moose that knows they have a problem or are dissatisfied? Because, you know, until you make someone dissatisfied, they're, you know, they're not going to be a great buyer. Absolutely. So next, I want to get into um, 
uh, something that that you said in your book. People don't want to be sold, but they love to buy. And there's a quote that I really thought was good from the book. It's our job as salespeople to figure out what the prospect's desired experience, if they knew it was available, looks, sounds, and feels like, and then help them buy the very thing that will make that experience happen. So um, we can all kind of visualize that in, in, in terms of what that is. What I'm interested in is what happens when either the customer doesn't really know what the experience should be or what happens when the experience actually changes as you're taking them through the process. So I think a lot of times the customer doesn't know what the experience is. Um, yeah. You know, I think of Steve Jobs, the iPhone, you know, no one even knew what was possible. Um, yep. And so, you know, I do tell a book, a story in the book about going to Europe and getting a guide who asked us all the questions that, you know, about what we wanted to do and what the experience was going to be like. We had our kids with us. Uh, and then that, that was a great example of this as we were in the, uh, on the trip and it happened to be super hot that day. And I ended up fainting in the Roman forum. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and so he, you know, changed the whole plan. Okay. We're going to go to cooler spots. We're not going to walk as much, you know, whatever he changed, he changed the experience. I, mm -hmm. I think as sellers, we will often say we get a price objection. Um, we need to help our customers think through what all these things mean, you know, that what, how, how much inventory do you have to uh, stock? Or, you know, I remember when I was uh, selling mufflers, we had a lifetime warranty on our product. The cheaper competitor also had a lifetime warranty. So they would say, well, what's the difference? So we had to delve down and say, okay, what happens when a customer brings a muffler back? It mm -hmm. turned out they, the customer expected a free muffler, but the auto shop would have to do all the installation and there would be other parts they'd have to buy. Oh. And so the customer would get ticked off when they got a bill that was almost as high as, you know, the replacement, as yeah. the, the original one. So yeah. whether it's saying I can, you know, a re rebates are coming up, I'm going to keep you apprised of all of that. You really, you know, would it be, I'll give you another example of a, a machine on a floor, mm -hmm manufacturing floor. Uh, the, the cheaper competitor did not have the safety restrictions. Well, one of the competition's machines had an explosion and luckily no one was hurt, but mm -hmm. that allowed these salespeople to say, now, how um, important is safety to you? Right. Well, oh, you know, pretty, you know, you see what I'm saying? You have to yep. really think of the things they're not thinking and educate them like you mm -hmm. would a good friend. Yeah. Again, relationship. And Absolutely. if you to get the to really do the best job at making sales and make it a win-win, you do have to find the right moose. Because if you have the wrong target customer, it, you're not going to be able to get them to buy and be happy. Mm -hmm. Excellent, excellent. So now we have our, our, our moose defined. We have the mindset that we've been talking about and everything else. How do you then take it to the next step and create your own? uncopyable advantage? You know, the uncopyable advantage to me, I, I talk about it like a salad because a lot of ingredients go into it. I feel like your branding promise is very important. 
uh, it might be that, you know, so, so you have what you are offering to the customer. One example in the book is that one of the, the IT salespeople said, I give white glove service. So describe what you offer and what you mean to the customer. Have your stories that back that up, you know, mm-hmm. have a work ethic and be trustworthy. And then you also want to be memorable. So muffler mama, like you said, very memorable. You know, our color branding color is orange. We always wear orange. So think of what you can do to stand out. Like we, we like to say, um, look at what everyone else is doing and don't do it. There's a, <laughs> it seems obvious, but in, yeah. in the book, uh, also, I talk about getting in the door, which is more of a, you know, traditional sales versus LinkedIn. Sure. But you see everyone doing the same thing, everyone emailing or sending out a LinkedIn message yeah. or whatever. I mean, we do now a lot of direct mail because you stand out. And if you know your moose, look at what everyone else is doing and don't do it. Be different. Absolutely. Absolutely. So the, the next question is, what's the biggest mistake most salespeople make? I, I, I suppose one of the answers is doing the exact same thing that everyone else is doing, like you just said. I think really the biggest, and it's so simple, is that, and I'll say we, we don't listen. I have so many, so no many. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, it's interesting in the, a, a podcast, I, I told uh, my husband, this is the gr- perfect job for me because my job is to talk, but right. in a sales yeah, situation, so you have to listen. We have to listen. And this goes back to Dale Carnegie and all the sales mm-hmm. books and all the wisdom of the ages. But right. it's a discipline. I think it's a discipline. Um, also, not. I think it's a mistake to not let silence happen because a lot of salespeople keep talking and buy buy back the sale. So that is the mistake yeah. I see people making. Kind of like that. That was silence. So yeah, I mean, sometimes yeah, silence silence can actually work for you. And um, and you know, when you listen to podcasts and there's and there's great back and forth and great exchange like this, and we're obviously listening to one another and playing off of one another. That's what these sales conversations should be like too. So, you know, maybe imagine that you're, you're on a podcast with your prospect. That's a great suggestion. I love it. I just came up with that too. Some, sometimes, you know, something I didn't feel a lightning bolt hit me, but um, (laughs) you know, sometimes it happens. So uh, we all love those. What's the one thing you can do right now? Takeaways kind of thing. So What's the one thing our listeners can do today to make more sales based on your strategies? I would recommend that you pick up the phone or maybe you have to email them first, one customer and say, why do you buy from me? You know, in your words, what is it that I offer that makes me the one you want to, you know, buy from? We might think we know the answer. I think we do think we know the answer, but you would be surprised. Maybe it is just that I know I don't have to worry about anything. I know you will take care of me. Um, It might be something that has nothing to do even with your product or service. So that's a great way to get some information that you can use later when you sell. Ah, That's just brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Especially in the, you might think, you know, but you don't really know type type of thing. That's just fantastic. The book, Uncopyable Sales Secrets, How to Create an Unfair Advantage and Outsell Your Competition by Kay Miller. 
You can buy it by go to uncopyablesales.com and clicking the link. Uh, you can also go to Amazon and just search it there too. You'll also find down, uh, downloads to resources guide as well as a lot more information about Kay and how she can help you. And now it's time for, as we call it in the sales biz, the CTA. So when you go to uncopyablesales.com slash making sales social, she's giving away an excerpt from chapter three of the uncopyable sales secrets book this has to do with crafting the personal brand i've read it it's excellent and as we said before when a chapter starts with the line so this is what it's like to install a muffler yeah that definitely has me hooked any day of the week if you want to email k directly it's k at uncopyablesales.com she's also on linkedin at linkedin.com slash in slash miller k so flip her first and last name for that that's a great idea if you're looking for that uh, personalized url too sometimes just flipping the first and last name is all you need to do. Kay, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Bob. It was a pleasure. Sure, sure, absolutely. And thank you for streaming this episode of Making Sales Social. And remember, when you're out and about this week, be sure to make your sales social. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening and join us again for more special guest instructors bringing you marketing, sales training, and social selling strategies that will set you apart. Don't forget to subscribe to get the latest episodes from the Making Sales Social podcast. Leave a review down below. Tell us what you think, what you learned, and what you want to hear from us next. You can also listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play. Visit our website, socialsaleslink.com, for more information.